Hello and welcome to the first episode of Another Brick in the Wall. If you didn't hear the pilot episode last week, my name is Pedro Clark and I'll be your host of this exciting new podcast on radio and camera. Another Brick in the Wall is going to focus on the other side of architecture, not how buildings look, but how they're actually built. This first episode will focus on timber, a construction material that has been widely used throughout the history of architecture, but which has surprisingly in the last 100 years been probably underutilized in Europe. For this, I've invited my good friend Raimundo de Col, who I met over 10 years ago, for a chat. Raimundo now works as a researcher and architect at Vosisselton, a British practice, although he's calling us from Italy. Ah, hi. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Pedro. Raimundo, thank you very much for accepting this invitation. It's amazing to be able to talk to a friend about something that we're both passionate about. When I was thinking about who I'd like to have for this first episode, your name popped straight into my mind, as it's easier to talk to a friend when we're doing something that leaves us slightly nervous. It also makes for a great icebreaker and will help us into the rest of the season. Raimundo and I used to meet regularly. We met over 10 years ago, as I said, working for Pinoy and Prasad in London, and after we both left that practice, we kept on meeting regularly for a beer in a pub in Richmond, mm -hmm. close to the River Thames. From these regular meetings and our conversations came a few projects that we did together. The competition in China, a research for a mountain cabin. It was on Jekyll House. I'd forgotten about that project now, but it was an exciting project, something slightly different. Instead of using timber traditionally, we were looking at how it blended with wattle and dobe and other indigenous technologies to improve the homes of people in Cameroon. But tell me, Raimundo, how did Vos Hisselton and yourself end up working on this research project, Build in Wood? It's fascinating because I think not a lot of people in the architectural community are aware there's a multi-million euro funded project by the EU researching exactly how to build in wood. Well, it is actually um, quite a um, huge uh, fund which the European Union gave to this consortium. Um, it's one of the Horizon uh, uh, 2020 uh, projects and uh, um, it started uh, over uh, one and a half years, almost two years ago, um, in uh, uh, October 2019. Um, and it, it's one of the, I think, one of the most interesting projects uh, with regards to wood and research about wood. The way we entered it is actually quite by chance, I would say. Uh, we had a conversation one day with an engineering uh, bureau um, called Ergodomus, uh, and uh, they uh, asked us whether we would be interested in doing some research uh, and actually uh, doing actively research rather than uh, just uh, being involved in that uh, lateral, let's say. And uh, we, at the beginning, we were a bit concerned about, uh, you know, time and, and uh, amount of involvement, but then the more we got into it, we understood more we understood that it was actually really interesting and would have brought a lot of uh, interesting opportunities for us. And so we jumped on it. That's what happened. But again, I, I have to say it was by pure chance in a way. We were trying, uh, but we, we didn't know how to do that. And then that happened. When I think of the work of Vosisselton, one of the first buildings that comes to mind is Murray Grove in London, which is a building entirely built of timber. And one that's quite surprising because when you walk past it, you could hardly believe it's built of timber. There's nothing on the outside that points to that. But still, it was using CLT and taken to quite the extreme. 
but this is a technology that's quite different from the one you're researching today. It was CLTN. It was uh, what they uh, call uh, a honeycomb structure. So it is uh, entirely built out of CLT, both uh, the horizontal as well as the vertical. So the, the, the slabs as well as the walls entirely built out of, of uh, CLT, including the uh, lift shafts. And this is also something quite interesting. The first time something like that happened. And uh, yeah, at that time, uh, it was probably the tallest building. And we are talking about, uh, it was around 2008, 2009. I think it was the tallest uh, timber building in the world. Then of course now much larger and taller building have been built, but uh, it seemed to be a sort of breakthrough at that time. And uh, it was it was an interesting project from many point of view. No one was probably uh, thinking that something like that would be possible but it proved to be possible and proved to work quite well. The building was also an achievement because it's built in a big city that has a lot of fire concerns. And for practice, I know we're a small practice ourselves, but we've tried to promote the use of timber here in Portugal quite often. Uh, we've tried to boast on a rural house where clients in the end decided to move away from it because of the risk of fire. And also in public competitions where we've presented buildings that if we'd won, would be the largest uh, timber structures built in Portugal. But uh, time and time again, it comes back that people are afraid of how fire will behave in, in the, how timber will behave in the case of fire, I'm sorry. And this is something that, uh, if you could, I'd like to hear a little bit about. Well, we are actually um, working together. We are, we are part of a large consortium uh, of 21 members who are working parallelly on many work streams in uh, this building plot research. Um, with regards to fire, there is in particular one university who has a huge uh, knowledge and, uh, and background uh, who is working on it actively. It's the Athens University. And um, in our case, what we are trying to do is to um, establish um, a series of uh, principles and a series of build-ups and a, a series of uh, approaches that one can have depending on whether wants in, in, in a project that the structure wants to be exposed or not and, and the idea is that uh, we will test a lot we will test uh, uh, encapsulation which means uh, trying to protect uh, the timber through use of plasterboard and but we are also going to test uh, exposed so uh, completely visible timber structures and we want through testing to understand better what the critical areas are uh, let's say interfaces between components of the structure, as well as, uh, let's say, compartments, which mean uh, large open spaces or also quite smaller spaces. But in any case, what we want to understand is how, what the fire dynamic is, how the fire develops, uh, and uh, what can be done in order to uh, get it under control at the early stages of a fire. One of the things which you said is, uh, I wouldn't say that it is a myth that uh, timber behaves badly in fire. I think that there needs to be knowledge about uh, how uh, a modern engineered building product behaves in case of fire. There are various ways to deal with it with that and uh, I think it is a relatively well-known uh, field uh, of expertise. There are lots of uh, fire engineers who are going to help usually the architects take on a timber project and together we will be able to develop this knowledge even further, especially with this project I would say. 
I think one of the things that got me most excited about building wood is how this information will be openly shared and uh, diffused by everybody. Because for a country like ours here in Portugal, where maybe timber makes up, I don't know, even 0.5 or 1% of the building stock, we then don't have the critical mass to be able to dismiss certain myths that a building just because it's built of timber will catch fire faster than one or react differently or in a more dangerous way to fire than one that's built uh, using traditional materials such as concrete. And making the knowledge available is a big part of helping us evolve and develop. And for us, it's also particularly strange how this knowledge that Portugal once had, Portugal after 1755, Uh, rebuilt Lisbon using a hybrid timber and stone technology, the Pombaline cage. But since then, timber has been very much left as a secondary material. Yes. Well, we are, let's say, we are at the beginning or almost halfway, to be honest. Yes, almost halfway through uh, a four-year-long project. Uh, project. So that means that uh, we, are, we still have a lot of work to do and we still have a lot of... Uh, Uh, especially uh, research and testing, two types of tests. First, we are going to do a research and development test, which are going to drive uh, uh, some decisions about uh, how the components are going to be made, and later on also some more, um, how can I say, the, the, some more sophisticated tests, which are going to allow us also to have certifications for those components. But what I would say is that uh, uh, the whole... Uh, this whole um, uh, research uh, is permeated by the fact that we want actually to, to be able to make those information available as much as possible to everyone. And in a way, what you just said is, is the perfect example of what, a poten uh, what the potential is of a project like this. Let's say if in Portugal there is not a lot of knowledge Uh, about uh, how timber can be used and, and how it actually behaves in certain circumstances like a fire or also other potential issues um, because some other issues that we or some other questions which are always asked are about uh, acoustic behavior, durability of timber. So we are trying to give answer to all of those questions. We're trying basically to, to open up and to make things understandable, to, to drive people in the right direction if they have those questions so for themselves as architects or engineers, but also if they want to be able to communicate with clients or with whoever is interested actually in, in using that material. And, and this is probably the, the, the key, how can we say, uh, our, our key endeavor to make uh, knowledge accessible, to be able to give answers Uh, and to, to be able to, to open up discussion with whoever has this sort of inhibitions. Uh. You mentioned earlier that Building Wood is a consortium, a consortium that involves architects and industry and universities, but tell us more. Institutes, firms, uh, uh, producers of materials. So th this is the nice thing about it. The fact that there are lots, there does... Uh, I like a lot to use this term. There is a multifaceted or holistic sort of approach uh, to, to this subject. So everyone has uh, his own expertise. Everyone has uh, a lot, a lot of experience in their field uh, of knowledge. And um, you can see that every discussion we have um, is w when we meet together. And we meet very often because we, we You know, it is a four-year project, but we have a lot of work to do. That means that we are going to have 
weekly, bi-weekly meetings, um, uh, focus meetings on certain subjects. And, uh, and uh, when we meet, uh, there is there's really this sort of magic spark, which happens very often, where people come up with uh, ideas, uh, they um, very well, well thought out ideas, but, you know, opening up the discussion between the two different engineering teams, which look at it uh, from different points of view, an architect who is throwing an idea about how that solution could actually be um, used architecturally. And then uh, mm, builders uh, who uh, are able to say, look, this is actually feasible on site. We, we need to think about uh, this uh, complex dimension of building and so on. All of this uh, is, how can I say, helps uh, to to build a quite positive uh, spin or dialectic. I think it's it's uh, it's great from my point. It's my first experience. I'm very excited about uh, what's happening and the research that's already been done. In fact, the report that came out is nearly 300 pages long and mixes theory with some early studies with also uh, technical details all for comments and peer review which is um, really innovative and, and helpful to anybody thinking and, and wanting to build with timber but uh, and even before we we had this conversation you were telling me about how the whole principle was being reorganized around uh, posts and beam structure using a case infill to simplify it so could you try and make it as simple as possible for those that don't know much about timber construction so that they understand what's being done. Yeah, so the way I would, uh, I would put that is uh, in, in simple terms is that we were given a quite uh, specific task to do, to develop a system, a structural system and a coordinated or integrated facade system. Um, this was our goal when we, when we were asked to participate uh, to uh, the research. So um, to that end, we started our research and, and, oh, sorry, I have to say, the idea was to use timber throughout uh, the whole system. We uh, also decided from the very early stages together with uh, uh, our, with the Danish Technological Institute, who is the coordinator of this whole research, to focus uh, on uh, uh, buildings of a certain size, uh, let's say five to 10 story buildings of mixed use which could be actually either residential or commercial or both things together. And this has driven us in a certain direction because having, a, a, let's say, a task or, um, or having to uh, respond to this uh, 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 type of use of the buildings meant that we needed to uh, put in place a structure which uh, had to be uh, flexible and adaptable uh, in all instances. So in order to do that, uh, we try to analyze uh, all the different approaches to timber building, which are out there uh, today. This means uh, the um, uh, full uh, CLT uh, approach, uh, similar to the one that we used uh, in Marai Grow uh, for Tistleton, uh, which is very well suited to residential building. The uh, modular approach, uh, which uh, is suited both to residential and also small size commercial uh, buildings. But what we understood from the early stages was that in order to achieve the full flexibility, the, which, which is actually our main goal, we needed to have something much uh, more, uh, how can I say, where, where the structure uh, was 
minimized, let's say, and something um, which would give us more freedom, a, a sort of uh, open space approach uh, to building. And in order to do that, the only way is uh, uh, to use a post and beam approach, because this allows us to have very large spans, to minimize the structure and to compartmentalize or to create uh, internal spaces just by using non-structural walls. That means uh, complete flexibility, not only during the lifetime of the building, um, but also uh, uh, in, the, in, in the case of uh, complete refurbishment, let's say. Yeah, so this is, this is the reason why we started off uh, from early, very early, uh, to focus our attention on the post and beam, uh, on a post and beam structure. And uh, non-structural external walls. That means that the facade panels are actually just appended on the structure and they don't have any structural functions. Uh, they, they can be replaced theoretically in uh, the lifetime of the building or uh, they can be uh, substituted in, uh, in, in different uh, phases. And what we are trying to do is to make it possible to substitute the facade uh, just piece by piece if necessary, not having to substitute the entire facade, but there's no not a fixed sequence. So there are lots of, uh, how can I say, quite interesting uh, uh, ideas uh, that we are trying to instill or to uh, translate into the system. Le Corbusier, 1940, I would say, uh, la, I, th th this is probably one one of the of the key things. What we what we are trying to look at is uh, trying to separate structure from facade, having the freedom to treat the facade the way we wanted. I think uh, uh, Domino was uh, was the the uh, project which uh, uh, Le Corbusier developed in those years. And in a way, yes, this this is a sort of translation of the principles that he tried to uh, develop there. Well. I think we need to be humble, <laughs> but of course, you know, th this, this is inspiration for us. This was an inspiration for us, certainly. With a much lower carbon footprint. Yes, with a much, much, much lower one. <laughs> because this, this is one of the key things of the whole research. Again, using timber for us was important exactly because of that. We want to be able to lower the carbon footprint. And we want also to demonstrate that uh, in a, in a, a building which is five to ten stories, uh, and you know it, it looks like a relatively um, uh, small or large building, depending on the context, let's say. But what we wanted to demonstrate is that a, a timber structure can be competitive or can be uh, used instead of the traditional uh, uh, reinforced concrete or steel uh, approach, which you, you can always say it's mainstream still but we are catching up. From the point of view of carbon footprint, it's undeniable the credentials of something like timber, but a critique that comes up time and time again are the costs of building with a timber structure. Mm. What are you hearing in terms of uh, what's happening in industry and the early testing that's being done? I know a lot more needs to be done, but what is the general feeling that's coming from the research at the moment regarding cost? Well, we know that we are price competitive in the sense that um, uh, there might be a, a, a still a, a, slight, uh, a slightly higher price for a timber system if compared with uh, a, a concrete or steel structure. But that uh, small price uh, add-on uh, or addendum 
can be actually it needs to be discounted also because what happens is usually that uh, timber buildings are built much much faster uh, uh, in a, at a much much faster piece than uh, concrete ones uh, as example for example they are much lighter so that means that uh, the foundations uh, are usually um, much uh, less not as large as, uh, as the ones which are used for concrete buildings um, they are also uh, uh, what happens also is that uh, you can actually um, uh, work on them in at a much faster piece in general uh, when they are uh, when the external uh, envelope is closed and uh, and uh, everything uh, needs to be built in simply because uh, it, it is actually a, a very simple material to work on uh, and to fix on so for countries where labor costs are high building with timbers potentially a, an easy way to resolve some of these cost issues yeah in that way for sure but also because if you, if you work in general in a in a urban context what you want to be doing is actually to build fast also because you want to avoid being a nuisance for uh, the, the surrounding buildings for whoever is is actually looking at a construction site or having to cope with it on a day-by-day -day basis and i think this is this is quite important on the other hand it has to be said that it's also very um, how can i say it's a completely different experience to have a timber uh, building on site uh, compared with a traditionally constructed uh, concrete or steel uh, building you know it's the it is almost it is um, there's no noise there's no dust there is no uh, huge back and forth of uh, of uh, uh, trucks uh, uh, or anything what they do is they deliver on day by day basis um, exactly uh, calculated amount of timber which is going to be uh, installed by usually a crew of very experienced uh, uh, people who screw together and large very large components often prefabricated components made out of timber and uh, you know it's 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 amazing because it, it doesn't even look like a building site in a way yes it's it's more like you're crafting things so you you might hear them just calling each other rather than uh, anything more dramatic like the fact you've just mentioned crafting uh, takes us back to, or takes me back to a book I know both of us like, uh, The Craftsman, and the fact that uh, you need a certain hand skill and technology and several hours of practice before you master it. Um, is this a case where the whole industry is going to have to retrain, or are there different parts of the building that can be done by different levels of skilled people working with timber? Well, I would say that there are different levels of, uh, of complexity in those buildings. So when it comes to a building like this, I think there, there needs to be, uh, well, depending on the scale, of course, of the building, there needs to be a certain level of experience. Um, also because, um, you know, uh, I think uh, uh, there needs to be skill, but also there needs to be understanding about uh, whether there are any uh, potential areas where uh, a particular skill or, or attention needs to be put uh, uh, and uh, I would say it, it would be uh, the, the realm of, of experienced uh, uh, carpenters uh, but uh, I wouldn't say that this is this is um, the case for every uh, sort of timber building uh, and it is just the assembly phase of the primary structure which needs that 
So it's uh, this area is uh, is uh, is um, still the realm of uh, people who know how to deal with timber. I would say. I think I'd like to ask you a question now, which is kind of a two-part question, really, which is. How do you see the architect's role in this research project, but also how do you as an architect who's seen and been involved with the construction of some of these buildings, how did you find the knowledge you had in terms of timber before you started doing it? And do you think we as architects are trained well enough in terms of uh, materials and in terms of understanding timber to be able to just uh, hit the ground running or has it been very much a hands-on experience and learning on the job? I would say it was a hands-on experience, but uh, at the same time, uh, as architects, we are trained uh, to be problem solvers. So we know how to deal with uh, with uh, with uh, uh, the different uh, um, problems which we need to face. There are particular, you know, building with timber means that you need to uh, to gain knowledge about the material itself, about uh, its peculiarities, and about its potential uh, in general. But uh, I think it is definitely something which is feasible. If you if you understand uh, how nice it is actually, if you if you experience how nice it is to to be able to think uh, about a building built with uh, uh, engineered timber, then uh, you, you 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 I would say this this is my case. Uh, you you fall in love uh, with it, and you you want to know more. You are driven towards that. I would say, and uh, it's it's a it's a constant process of acquiring the knowledge and and trying to refine the knowledge you have to understand better to 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 try to do it better. Not that it, this is different to any uh, any how can I say to what every architect tries always to do. But if you do it with timber, it's for me it's great. I think I understand what you say, and I share that passion. But tell us, what is the ultimate goal and objective of this research project? In two years' time, where do you expect to be? Well, when the project uh, is finished, the idea is to have uh, to be able to share uh, the, the knowledge which we accumulated during those four years through uh, a um, manual, I would say. I would call it uh, a design manual, uh, which is going to be probably uh, um, both a written or, or an interactive document, so a website where people can access information, can download information, can find links to other uh, uh, sites which uh, have to do with timber. And uh, the idea is basically to, to be able to show uh, people, to give people um, the, uh, a way or, or a tool uh, to uh, work uh, out their ideas about a timber building or about how they could build in timber with a system, which is actually, uh, how can I say, it's not a fixed system. They don't have to use exactly what they get, but what they are going to be given is um, uh, an idea about how they could develop their own projects and how they could use the basic components of this system and then tweak them, change them to what their needs are. So this is very much an open type system that can be adapted and organized and personalized to fit architects' needs. Raimundo, I'm conscious that we're approaching the 30-minute mark now, and for our listeners, I don't know if uh, we should probably carry on talking about this for much longer, although I could carry on this conversation with you uh, for many more hours. But um, tell us about what are the next key milestones for the research project, and 
If they want to know more about it, all they need to do is search for Building Wood and find the website, and there's a lot of information already there. Well, we are uh, constantly uh, uh, updating uh, the website with uh, the key activities of the different work packages. As I say, as I said before, I'm representing just one of the many work streams. So we are concentrating on structure and facade, but there are lots of other interesting uh, research uh, uh, streams uh, which are happening. Uh, we have early adopter cities uh, where which uh, are going to uh, uh, be uh, developing some of the aspects of this uh, of the of the building wood uh, project in particular how uh, local forests uh, uh, could be used uh, to produce uh, uh, components and materials, uh, how knowledge uh, can be spread uh, at local level uh, about the use of timber and so on. And uh, there are other uh, quite interesting uh, information which can be found on the website. Once again, Raimondo, thank you very much for taking your time to have this chat with me and for keeping me company in this first episode. Thank you, Bruno. Thank you for being on the show. Bye. And for our listeners back at home, if you want to know more, please don't forget to access Building Wood's website. There's a lot of information already available there. We hope you liked it. And in the meantime, make sure you follow us. And until next time, bye for now.